Good morning, everyone. Um, like Kevin said, I'm Evan Weppler. I'm the elementary children's pastor here at CBC, and I'm so glad I get to speak with you today on the first day of 2023. Let's all say that together, 2023, 2023. So next time I have to write the date, remember it's 2023. Unfortunately, if it's a, you do write the two, you can turn that two into a three really easily. Um, so I'm glad you all can be here today for our, uh, our uh, lecture on Shakespeare, to be or not to be. Um, there'll be a quiz afterwards today. No, that was a joke, okay. Um, no, today we aren't looking at Shakespeare, uh, but we will be looking at um, Ephesians 2, uh, Luke 10, and a few other places. Um, and today, my desire is for you to come and hear what God has for you today, uh, whether it's the words I speak, um, the words from Scripture, or another message that He has for you today. I want you to be ready to listen. Um, as you, we're starting off, uh, we do have little booklets um, and uh, some pens as well, if you didn't get one at the back. My friends um, Abel and Hannah have a few pens and booklets, so if you didn't get one yet, just raise your hand and I bet they will find you. So raise your hand if you would like a pen or a booklet, uh, because we want you to be able to write things down as you are here today. So raise your hand and I bet they will find you. Or if not, maybe give one to your neighbor if they're needing a pen. <laughs> So as we start today, um, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Um, this friend, I've known him since about middle school or so, and um, truth is, we're not really great friends. Uh, he, he sometimes helps me with the things I need to do, uh, but often he's kind of bossy. Uh, always feels like I'm never doing enough. Uh, he's always telling me what I haven't done. Um, he always has everything lined up and nice and orderly, and I'm usually kind of a mess. Um, there's times where I've forgotten about him for months and years even. Um, you see, I like to not pay attention to him. Um, I don't really want to spend time with him sometimes because it feels like I never do everything right. Now, the name of my friend, uh, you might know him. His name is To-Do List. <laughs> um, so I don't know if anyone here uh, has some sort of to-do list, whether it's your work assignments, your school assignments, it's your honey-do list. Um, I'm sure we all have some form of list of things that we need to do. Maybe it's your New Year's resolutions, as Kevin said. Um, there's, uh, maybe it's physical, maybe it's digital, maybe it's just mental. Uh, just this process of adding all the things that you need to accomplish. Um, and a to-do list can be helpful. I actually was working on one this fall, and then I completely lost it, and now I'm just totally off track. Uh, and so writing things down, working towards a goal, that can be helpful, but sometimes it also can make it feel like the whole world is on your shoulders when you have all these things you need to do and you just can't get it done. Um, that's at least been my experience. So my question for you today is, is your to-do list overtaking your life? You've already started January 1st. Maybe you have all your goals, all your dreams for this year. Um, but sometimes as we work on our to-do lists, um, we can let regret and guilt, perfectionism, take over. As I described my friend, my to-do list, I wondered if anyone thought I was describing someone else, um, another relationship that maybe is rocky at times. Um, maybe it describes your relationship with God. Uh, you feel like you're never enough, you've never done enough, always filled with guilt and regret. So wherever you are today, um, my hope is that we can all move from a focus on all the things we need to do to a celebration of what Jesus has done for us and who we are because of Jesus. As we approach this new year and we leave the old year behind, we might have guilt about the things that we didn't get done, the presents that we forgot to give to our, our kids or our friends, um, the things we wish we had done. We have anxiety about the things we need to do. Um, so I, I pray that we can take a step back, um, as Miss Stacy talked about distraction, and help us to find focus as we start this new year. As we discover who we are and who God has made us to be, we find our to-dos find their place. So before we speak about the things we need to do, 
I want us to remember about what has been done for us. We cannot lose the love of God. We cannot earn God's love. God gives his love to us. God's love is an ocean, and we are simply swimming in it. It is what fuels us, empowers us, gives us strength, gets us excited. God's love is so great. Now, as I speak about exciting things, I do have some exciting news for y'all today. Um, in case you didn't know, we're announcing this year's VBS theme for this summer today. So I hope you're excited. Uh, I've got a little video that's going to announce it. And so if you would just turn to the screens, we're going to watch this video together. excitement in the room, so I'm very excited uh, about this special event coming up where we get to help kids dive deep into the love of Jesus, something that we all probably need a reminder of as well. Um, but there's another event that I want us to focus on, one that's already come, um, and it's in your, your booklets. If you turn to your booklets to Ephesians 2, uh, verses 4 through 5, would you read these verses with me? These are from the NIV. Uh, let's read this together. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Would you cheer with me just like we cheered for VBS because of that truth? You see, that truth is the truth that excites us, empowers us, fuels us up. Because, you see, we could never do anything to earn God's love, to earn salvation. But while we were dead in sins, Jesus gave his life and died for us so that we could have new life when we trust in him. Paul goes on to say that this is nothing we could earn. It's nothing we can boast about. It's the gift of God. And because of this gift, we have a response. And our right response to this great love is in verse 10. Would you read verse 10 with me? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, this passage echoes a constant theme throughout the Bible. God works, we celebrate. God saves, we trust. First John reminds us, we love because he first loved us. Acts tells us, in him we live and move and have our being. So tonight, today I invite you to go deeper. Uh, go deeper than what we have to do into what God is calling us to do. Who he is calling us to be. So what does all these three pictures have in common? Can someone shout it out? What do they all have in common? Anybody know? There's more, Miss Stacy's got the answer. There's more under the surface than what you normally see. Does anyone know how much of an iceberg is typically underwater? 90%, we got a scientist out here somewhere. 90% of an iceberg is typically under the water. Uh, an oak tree, it says, uh, an oak tree's roots will spread three to seven times 
wider than the circumference of its crown. And when we look around at people in our lives, maybe sitting next to us in our work, in our home, there is so much going on below the surface that we can't even know. God told Samuel, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So today I want us to try to look at things from God's perspective. As we look at the story of two women, Mary and Martha, two extremes, but very relatable. So as we read today, I'm going to invite this side, these three sections, to read the words of Martha. They're in your booklet, and they'll be on the screen. And then this side, I want you to read the words of Jesus. So I'll read the narrative and uh, read along with you. So let's look at what Luke 10, 38 through 42 has for us today. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from let's do a quick poll real quick. Now, thinking about work, school assignments, school projects you had to do, maybe over the holidays, how many of you have felt frustrated because it seems like you're doing all the work and there's no one around to help you? Anyone want to raise their hands? Okay, well, I think we've identified the Marthas in the room and the Marys. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. Because in the truth, we are all somewhat similar to Mary and Martha. You see, this is probably the first time Mary and Martha met Jesus, um, but we know that that relationship goes on longer. The book of John tells us that Jesus went on to raise their brother Lazarus from the dead, that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with perfume, and Jesus returns to Bethany time and time again. So some biblical scholars over time um, tried to describe the relationship of Mary and Martha as two extremes, as two different ways to live your life. Um, Martha has active faith, shown in her good works and her service. But Mary has contemplative faith, shown in her devotion to Christ. And those scholars say that different people are called to different ways of life, whether it's active faith or contemplative faith. Um, and it's true, we have different callings, different personalities, um, but there's many people that have criticized these interpretations uh, because it puts a false dichotomy, a line in, in our faith that those who pursue the contemplative life, maybe the monk, the nun, the theologian, are somehow choosing better than those who live their faith in the public sphere. But in the end, we are all like Martha and Mary. We all have an active role in our faith. Even monks have to wash the dishes sometimes. And we all desire to draw nearer to God, uh, even when those desires are crowded with lots of other pursuits. You see, Jesus loved Mary and Martha, and they loved him, and they showed their love through action, through the choices they made. Martha chose to serve. Mary chose to sit and listen. Both are God-honoring choices. The word that Luke uses in this passage for uh, Martha's choice is diaconian, which is translated in different ways in this passage, like preparations, tasks, dinner, work in the kitchen, hospitality arrangements. And all these things could be true, and certainly that last phrase, because Mary, Martha was concerned about hospitality. See, earlier in this chapter, Jesus had sent 72 disciples out to the villages to prepare his, for his arrival, and those that welcomed them in would be blessed by his presence. But those that refused the disciples were not only refusing Jesus, but also refusing the, the common uh, uh, cultural action of hospitality. 
See, Luke says this is Martha's home. We can imagine that she kept this home pretty orderly and kept schedules for Mary and, and Lazarus, and she had things very well done. She cared about hospitality. She cared about serving her guests and her family. You see, I've sometimes read into this passage a little bit more and taken baggage from my own life and thought, oh, Martha, she's just focusing on the appetizers, or she's just making sure everything is clean with her Clorox wipes. Um, but sometimes I think that's baggage we put on her that isn't exactly there. I'm sure we can all think of a family member, or maybe ourselves, who has gotten way too stressed at Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthday parties. Um, maybe Martha was like this. But Jesus doesn't rebuke her service, but he speaks to her heart. As you see in these verses um, listed here, the word diaconian is also translated in different places as service, hospitality, ministry, administration, distribution, mission. You see, service is the work of a disciple. It's the work of the church. Someone needs to serve. So serving is important. We see this in Acts 6, in those last two verses. The, the needs of the Greek widows uh, were not being met. And so the apostles called the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Now, they weren't saying that serving food was unimportant, but they were saying that they were called to the proclamation of the word. And the disciples chose seven men who would be responsible for meeting these needs to serving these widows. And both of these types of service, both of these callings were important. They were focused on where they were called, on what service they were called to bring. So in your booklet, I'd like you to underline these four words when we're talking about Martha. Distracted, alone, worried, and upset. Are these words familiar to you? I know they are to me, because I have felt these things in my life as well. You see, Martha wanted to serve, but she let her heart get clouded by these other things. So my question for you today is, do you feel like Martha? Distracted, driven about mentally, drawn away. These are the Greek words that we find in the text. Martha asked Jesus, do you not care? She felt like she was alone, forsaken, all by herself. She was worried, Marinmas. She was anxious, full of cares, like she was being pulled apart. She was upset, disturbed, agitated. See, Martha was doing good things, service, maybe even for good reasons, to serve others, to, to, to bless Jesus, but her heart wasn't in the right place. And we can find ourselves there as well, with our heart in the wrong place. See, Jesus cares about you right where you are, right now. And so let me ask, where is your heart right now? Where are you placing the core of your identity as you start this new year? Is it found in your productivity and all the things that you can do? Is it found in your popularity, whether people like you or not? Is it found in your passion, the things that only you can do, the things you care about? Is it found in your power, your influence in the world? If I don't influence this world, do I even matter at all? But the gospel gives us the answer of our worth. Your worth is determined by the price paid for you. And if Jesus Christ gave his life for you, then you are worth more than anything you could ever do. Your worth is not determined by your successes or your failures, but on God. Martha came to Jesus and poured out her heart. She was brutally honest, but Jesus was caring about her heart and Mary's heart. Martha came to Jesus with her own agenda, but Mary was sitting and listening to Jesus' agenda. Would you circle these words in your text? Sat, listened, and chosen. 
As we look at this text, we see Mary's response to Jesus, and we can learn from Mary. And Jesus invites us into these actions as well. See, Jesus invites us to sit, harakitsido, to slow down, to dwell. Remember that you matter because of what God has done, his work and plans, not yours. So who has God made you to be? When all the busyness of your life stops, who are you? Jesus invites you to listen. If you're a Christian, you will find that your purpose is in your relationship with God, not with others. So who are you in Christ? How has Jesus changed your life? Jesus invites you to remember he cares. Now, this isn't in the description of Mary, but this is the answer to Martha's question, do you not care? And he does. He cares so much. Uh, I was sitting up front here, and I noticed there's a little ladybug crawling across my box of items, and it made me think of the Gospels where Jesus said, does he not clothe the flowers? Does he not care for the birds? If he cares for these little things, does he not care for you? Trust that your Father cares about the details of your life, and you'll realize that it's not all up to you. What words would God use to describe you? How does he love you? Finally, Jesus invites us to choose. Eklego means speak out of a conclusion, speak to a conclusion out of a heart intention, out of heart preference. You see, he allows us to choose in our life what we're going to make our life about. As Miss Stacy said, it's all about now, that's the right answer. That's the Sunday school answer. But the question I have to ask for you is, what is your life about? Who are you? Who has God made you to be? In your booklets, there is a space in the back with a little tree with some roots in the bottom. And that's where I want you to answer this question. Who are you? You see, that's at the root of all our pursuits, all our to-do lists. Who am I? Maybe you can write about who God has made you to be. And in our fifth grade program, Extreme Team, we talk about SHAPE, which is an acronym for spiritual gifts heart, abilities, personality, experience. We all are made unique. Maybe you can write about who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ. Here's just a few words to describe this identity that we have. In Christ, you are loved, redeemed, renewed, adopted, sent out, blessed, heaven-bound. So I invite you to do what Mary did in Luke 10. Sit, listen, and choose. We don't have to travel to Bethany to sit at Jesus' feet. We can do it right now. So write down your answers. Pour out your heart as we move forward through this text. So as we continue onward, I want you to not only think about who you are, but who you are becoming. Mary and Martha were not just sermon illustrations that we talk about on a Sunday. They were real-life, flesh-and-blood women who wanted to follow Jesus in their own way. And so they were trying to become more like Jesus as a disciple. And so we have to move from our idea, the idea of who we are to consider who we're becoming. So who have you chosen to become or to become more like? The books you read, the people you spend time with, the influencers you follow on social media, they all influence who we want to become. More organized, more successful, more happy, more famous, a better parent, a better husband, a better wife, a better friend. But when Jesus talks about becoming in the Gospels, it's rarely about more or better, but less. You see, when Jesus talks about becoming, you notice in these statements, it's not about becoming more powerful or successful, but it's about humility. A, ch a, a disciple reliant on his teacher. Child reliant on her parent. A servant or a fisherman. The lowest of professions in the New Testament. 
And in that process of becoming less, we are becoming more like Jesus because he became nothing, taking on the form of a servant, as Philippians tells us. We have this example of Jesus as he grew up, that he was reliant on the Father and received strength, wisdom, and grace. And we are also recipients of God's grace. If we trust in Jesus, he gives us the right to become children of God. It's all on him, not on what we can do to earn this right. And this verse from 2 Corinthians, I love this verse because it reminds us of Moses. When he stood on the mountaintop and he spent time with God, as he walked away, his face would glow. And so the Israelites were freaked out and they're like, could you put a veil over your face, please? And so when we come to God, it's not on a mountaintop, but when we come to the word, when we spend time, when we look to Jesus, God is doing his work to transform us into his image. It's not by memorizing verses that you're becoming more like Jesus. It's not by praying, but by doing those things, you are putting yourself before God for him to do that work in you, through you. As Caleb said, we are encouraging people for our next series on compelling love to take up some spiritual disciplines, uh, reading the Bible, growing in evangelism, uh, joining a small group. Now, there's going to be different things listed in those booklets as you leave here today, and, and I know, I know, as you look at those things, you might go, oh my goodness, more things to add to my to-do list. But I don't want you to think about having to do all these things, checking off all these boxes. But simply think of these spiritual disciplines like this. When we take up a spiritual discipline, it's simply like getting into a stream or a tide in the ocean of God's love. You don't have to be a perfect swimmer or an expert on water to be able to be moved by a stream, to be moved by the tide. You simply have to show up. And when you're there, you're going to be moved like that, when we show up, when we come before God and let him move in us, he will move. You see, becoming more like Jesus isn't something that we just, you know, check a box and we're done. It is a lifelong process. You see, in the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus said that Martha was worried about many things. And different manuscripts say either that one thing is needed, or as the NIV says, few things are needed, or even one. And so the word that he uses there for few is oligon, which elsewhere is translated as little or small. It's the same word he uses when he says to pray to Lord the harvest because the laborers are few. And so this year, how can you move from many to few to one pursuit? What do you need to let go of this year? What do you need to add into your life to root yourself in who God has made you to be? See, our desire is to become more like Jesus here at CBC, but we also say that we are beginning where we are. It's a race. It's a lifelong race for us to keep pursuing Jesus, keep becoming more like him. So my question for you today also is, who do you want to become, and how do you want to be known? In what ways are you going to become more like Jesus? What words do you want others to describe you with? Who is God calling you to be this year? And that is the question that we want to answer today. Who is God calling you to be? What is God calling you to do? It's not about what I want you to do or other people. What does God want you to do? When Jesus called his apostles, it wasn't because of their reputation or the great things they did. But when he called them, he called them to a new life. As we look back in Luke, we look at the context. You see, the story of Mary and Martha comes at the end of a whole chapter about how following Jesus is action. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's obeying him. It's going where he sends us to go. It's not going to be easy, but God is with us, as we see in these texts. God cares about us. 
Later on, we have the passage where the, the expert in law asks, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus put the question back on him. What does the law say? And he responds that we must love God and love others. Jesus replies that he is correct, saying, do this and you will live. Not do these things and then you checked off the box and you're good. But this is a way of living eternal life now. Loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbor. You see, it's Mary and Martha. Devotion to God and serving others. Love God and love others. We see this in the story of the Good Samaritan as well. If we're known just for our devotion to God, like the priest or the Levite were in Jesus' time, but neglect our neighbor, literally in the Greek, one who is near, the person God has placed in our path, then we are not listening to God's call on our life. We often paint ourselves as the Good Samaritan in this story, but the truth is, Jesus is this Good Samaritan. He comes along to the broken down man and helps him and brings him to the innkeeper, gives him what is needed to help his guests and promises to repay him for anything he has to give up to serve this person. We are the innkeeper in this story. Jesus invites us to join in him in serving others, and he puts needs in front of us. How will we respond? Will we show mercy as we've been shown mercy? You see, what is God calling you to do right now? As we look at this passage, we look at the, the call to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. What is God calling you to do? There's so many good things that you could do, but what is God calling you to do? Jesus told Martha that Mary had chosen the agathane merida, the good portion or the good share. Now, some translators, like in the NIV, translate this as better or best. And it seems to be in comparison as to what Martha has chosen. But the literal word is just good. Mary has made a good choice. She's chosen what is good, to sit and listen to Jesus. And Martha wants to come alongside and, and, and ask Jesus to talk to Mary so that she might help me. The, the word actually has connotations of, of ripping someone from the side uh, so that she goes from Jesus' side to come to my side. But Jesus wouldn't let that happen because he also was caring about Mary's heart as well as Martha's heart. And so the question I have for you today is, what is Jesus inviting you to do in 2023? What is the good portion that you need to choose? What is the good share that Jesus has for you? If you're overwhelmed like Martha, what do you need to let go of so you can focus this year? How can you move from many concerns to few important things to the one necessary thing? Sadly, that doesn't mean you give up on housework or whatever you have going on at school or your job. But when we recognize who we are, who we're becoming, that places all our to-dos where they need to be. Now, I'll tell you where I find myself in Luke 10 today. Honestly, I'll admit that I felt like Martha, especially these past few years. I'm going to be real honest with you all today. Um, I've been working at CBC for over seven years now, and at times it's been very hard. We were in a difficult season even before COVID came, and I felt this in my own walk, my work, my ministry calling. And so this fall, it came to a head, and I, I said, could I take some Sundays off? So I took a few Sundays off so that I could go to other churches and just come and sit like Mary and listen and rest and worship so that I could come as Evan, a child of God, not Evan, pastor at CBC. See, it's easy for me to wrap up my identity in the things I do. I can let what I do become who I am. And, and that's on me. It's not because of leadership from CBC or from other people telling me. This is my own sinful self letting my to-dos become more important than my I am. 
See, the lines between work and ministry and personal relationships can blur. And honestly, right now, I feel like Martha because we've got needs in children's ministry, <laughs> and I could list them out for you. We've got opportunities at 9.30 and 11. We need people to be on our sub list. Um, if you're interested in learning how to be like a child, like Jesus tells us to do, children's ministry is a great place to do it. Um, so if you're interested, you can email me. I love what I do at CBC as I get to see kids become more like Jesus. We have so many wonderful volunteers and staff, but I'll be honest, a lot of people are feeling like Martha, feeling like their burden is so much, that they have so much they need to be worried and anxious about. And so I invite you to join in this year, to step up. Maybe serving is your way of sitting at the feet of Jesus this year, to rely on him. But my job isn't to tell you what to do. I'm sure there's tons of things you can think of right now, all the things you need to do. My job is simply to point you to God and ask you to listen. We must listen to Jesus and obey his word. We must rely on what he's done and become more like him. We must remember who we are and consider who he wants us to be. We must do what he calls us to do, to be loved, to love God and love. So as we wrap up today, I want you to return to your tree if you haven't already been writing there. Who are you? Who are you becoming? What do you need to do? What is God calling you to do in 2023? Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that God has good works prepared for us. What is he calling you to do this year? Let me pray for us as we wrap up. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the example of Mary and Martha, for the words of Jesus that we can see who you have called us to be, to be your children, to be your disciples, to follow you wherever you lead us. So I pray for the people here, people watching at home. God, speak. Give us ears to listen so that we might hear your voice louder than all the things calling out to us, all the distractions in our world. Help us hear you. Help us make room you. Help us remember who you have called us to be, what you have for us to do, and who we are because of you. Because of Jesus, I am a child of God. My worth is fully reliant on you, God. So I give you this year, work in me and through me and through all these people here for your glory. In his name we pray.